Welcome to the Logistics of Logistics, a podcast dedicated to exploring how things get places and the people who get them there. We'll talk with logistics and supply chain leaders about innovation, industry trends, and the future of the logistics business. Now, here's your host, Joe Lynch. Hello, this is Joe Lynch at the Logistics of Logistics podcast, and today we have a great guest. We're going to talk to Kevin Hill from Carrier Lists. And Kevin's going to give us some insights on what he learned when he spoke and his he and his team spoke with 30,000 carriers. Before we start, though, I want to give a little bio on Kevin. Kevin is the president and founder of Carrier List. Prior to that, he spent some time as a freight broker and he spent some time on Wall Street. Also, he did some business intelligence work, especially on mergers and acquisitions. And he lived in New York City. Kevin is back in Oklahoma. And he, is that correct, Kevin? Yes, it is. Okay. <laughs> and Kevin has a degree, an MBA from the University of Oklahoma. Welcome, Kevin. Thank you very much, Joe. And thank you for the opportunity to come in and do a podcast with me. You're most welcome. So, Kevin, let's, uh, let's get started. First off, tell us a little bit about Carrier Lists. How long are you guys in business? And then what problem do you solve for 3PLs and brokers. Sure. We've been in business for about a couple of years now. And the genesis of coming up with carrierless is working in a small brokerage. It was hard to build up a carrier network for, for loads that or opportunities that we had that came in the door. A lot of them were uncovered because we didn't know who to call to cover the loads. So now with carrierless, instead of spending all the time and resources and, and energy and management, to build a carrier list yourself, we have tabulated 22,000 carriers, mostly running between five and 500 trucks into a database by their trailer types, by their preferred lanes, by any specializations that they do, and also collect dispatch emails for you. So it's all there in one neat product that we maintain and grow on a daily basis. So it's a lot easier to use your list than to create your own. <laughs> It is, and it's a fraction of the price. It really is. It's a monumental <laughs> that, that task sometimes to, uh, to actually sit down and, and execute what we do. It's a simple thing that all brokers do, collecting the data or calling carriers, but collecting the data is taking people notes. It's a, a lot of execution and daily grind. So. Right. So, so how did you and your team create the list? So we, like most brokers, whenever we get... Uh, as, as brokers, we get stuck on loads. So we pulled it from the FMCSA database, and there's several vendors that you can. Uh, mostly what we do, we have a partnership with SaferWatch, where we're online now. So we pull just uh, raw data from the FMCSA that has a lot of noise in it, a lot of disconnected numbers, and we call off that list. So a lot of our customers will continuously download that, that same list and have to fight through all the noise in the list. And what we've done is taken that raw product yeah, and, and you have a clean version that for every 10 calls you used to make, maybe you make two or three calls. So you have 22,000 on your list, but you said something about 30,000 to me before. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we've called 30,000 carriers. So part of that is that noise that I'm talking about. There's probably... Okay. Yeah. The best, <laughs> you know, right? A big chunk of it. Almost, yeah, one, almost one third yeah. is noise. Yeah. So it's an FMCSA census is... It's basically a, uh, self-reporting off the, the MS-150 form that 
trucking companies need to fill out and keep updated every two years, right? So a lot of that's lagging information. So with that, we, you know, we call us out. There's a lot of noise. A lot of people that have disconnected numbers, probably 10% of the numbers in there are disconnected. Another 10% just never answer the phone. We call them multiple times nice. over months, right? Never answer the phone. So it's probably ghost MC where a lot of companies will go out of business, but they'll keep their authority active. So it shows them every right. fucking company, but they're not. And then there's, there's another five to 10% that are, are private fleets that whenever they, they fill out the form, they mark that they are for hire and not just private property carriers, but they, in essence, they don't use that. So we'll call them up and they'll say, we're not interested in anything but our own freight, you know, taking that to and fro. A lot of manufacturers, a lot of, um, then you have the tow truck company, the <laughs> bus company. So you have a lot of noise in there that, that just need to be cleaned out. And get your work cut out for you. So what insights have you gained by talking to 30,000 carriers or talking to 22,000, trying to talk to 30,000? So we get some points for that. So a lot of times, you know, you're calling 30,000 people. So it's like the general population. You never really know who you're going to get on the phone. You get some of the nicest people in the world and some of the, 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 the rudest people in the world. And it just goes carrier by carrier, dispatch by dispatch. But some of the things that, that are on their mind are, are route planning, right? Getting better at, at route planning. Before you get to that, oh, how no. many people in the, how many MC numbers are there? Oh, yes. There's, so it was basically based on inter, interstate carriers and a lot of, a lot of these numbers are, no one has the exact number, right? So everyone uses different calculations because there's not a, a gold standard for this. But there's around 250,000 to 275 that are, that are interstate carriers that have MC numbers, right? So yeah, so, so 275,000 roughly. About 90% of those run under five trucks. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> and then 98% run under 20 trucks, right? So... You take so the capacity is kind of all at the uh, in the bigger companies. What you're saying it, it is so a lot of times you know we have twenty two thousand carriers in the database and, and that's a fraction of the overall MC numbers. But and then you get into really crazy estimates or a crazy wide range uh, of possibilities for how many four hundred trucks are on the road instead of carriers, right? And the bottom right. estimates are around eight hundred thousand. Right, the top estimates are about 1.7 million. So you have this wide. But we don't even know how many trucks are on the road. <laughs> I know, right? You know, from 800 to 800k to 1.7 million. I mean, you have this broad, broad range that really means nothing because it's so, so broad. You know, we have 700,000 registered trucks, which that's a, a problem number two. Right? That's often overinflated. I don't think it's too much overinflated. It's certainly not three times overinflated, right? Right. It's, it seems surprising you can't find a truck some days. <laughs> I know, right? It, it does. So there's a lot of trucks on the road. Yeah. So, so part of that, you know, you have the 250,000 MC numbers, basically, that are ones, twos, threes, trucks. And that's about half the market of total trucks out there. And then when you cross that, that five line, there's about 45,000 carriers that, that run five or more trucks. And that's about half the capacity market. Well. So now, are a lot of those, I take it, if they're small, they're just going to be regional. What companies, what percentage of the carriers are very regional? I would say uh, 
over half. I was okay. something I was surprised about. You know, working as a broker, I did a lot of over the road, you know, long thousand mile plus uh, jobs, and basically our internal care lists for the brokerage, right, skewed to those over the road guys. I think the load boards also skew very much so to the guys who are looking for a thousand, fifteen hundred miles those cross country trips. So you really have to dig and, and work to find those really those regional guys that specialize in say under 500 miles those guys that that will pick up and do a 200 mile load for a reasonable rate so what percentage of those carriers or trucks are ltl versus truckload so if i'm just looking at dry vans we have about 10,000 dry van carriers and a little over a thousand ltl so you're looking right around 10 to 12 percent or or ltl Smaller, clearly some do both. <laughs> yeah, clearly some do both. A lot of them do uh, LTL outbound and then full truckload getting back. And they're always looking for better relationships for, for those backhauls. Oh, yeah, that's another important topic. What about backhauls on these? Yeah, be very surprised about how many carriers out there do have real true backhauls, right? So uh, if you look at, and we've done surveys with Freightway recently where we've asked kind of the breakdown of where they source their freight. And it looks around 65% of the freight uh, that, that carriers move are directly from shipping, right? And a lot of those are those outbound loads from, say, for example, Michigan, right? So you have carriers in Michigan who are tied to the automotive industry that have direct shipper relationships that built over a number of years. And it's probably a high proportion, one, two clients probably dominate the booking business on the outbound. And they go out to certain locations pretty well on a regular basis. And that could be Laredo, Texas. That could be down south to the auto plant in, in Tennessee and in, in Georgia and Alabama. But they're, they're looking for better and better options coming back up north to Michigan. So they have to rely on, on the load boards and on, on broker relationships to get them back in there. Because if you're running 20 or 30 trucks, it's hard right, to build right. up that, that network of shippers in the south or where you're going on a semi-regular basis, right? So to bring it back, because you probably need 20 customers down in a particular area to, to make sure that you always have freight coming back. So, you know, you're, you're always having to, as a carrier, right, you're always having to balance that ride for that backhaul back in. We'll get right back to the podcast in just a moment. If you sell transportation or logistics services, the Logistics of Logistics can help you sell more. Our customized program will help you understand your sales personality, including your strengths and blind spots, get more sales leads, and improve your communication and salesmanship. We can also position you as a recognized industry expert and help you reach your target audience. To learn more, visit thelogisticsoflogistics.com. And now, back to the show. So you touched on, you know, having big clients and the whole idea of specialization. We see a lot of that in the market. Tell me what you've learned about specialization from this exercise, from your business, I should say. Yeah. So, so you know, as a broker, it's always hard to find specialized guys, right? And I found about 30% or so, probably let's say a third, right? a third of the market of trucking companies specialize in something that is broad-based, like whether they're on team drivers, right? Coast to coast produce, right? There are so many carriers out there that, that do teams coast to coast, and that's basically all they do. Uh, cross border, you touched on LTL, certainly regional, local. 
a lot of heavy haul carriers out there. So you, you find not only in that broad category, but you, you find uh, their customer base is, is very narrow as well, right? So going back to the auto parts, right? People who specialize in, in moving auto parts. People who specialize in, in hauling growth. People who specialize in, in hauling steel foil. Oh, wow. And that's, that's kind of... Right. They basically... 30% of the market. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, Kevin, I, I know you guys talk to a lot of carriers. What were some of the attitudes uh, that you learned about carriers? What are they thinking? So, they, they have their concerns, right? And certainly, capacity is always a roller coaster for, for everybody in the market, right? So, they are trying to plan their route, plan their backhaul, right? That's something that is always on their mind. And it's, it's almost, it's as equal appointment as, the rate that you're giving, if it fits into the network, right. they need to get back or they need to get out for a certain customer. So, so route planning, uh, all of last year was ELD, right? That's what everyone talked about it. Of course. Yeah, of course, right? And we did a yeah. weekly survey of, of ELD compliance rates, and we saw from from September, about a third of the smaller fleets had ELDs installed up into the, the, the December 18th first deadline, only about 75%. And then April 1st, you know, you had high nine. So you had almost complete, complete compliance at that point. Now, a lot of complaints, a lot of misunderstandings. It was, it was kind of a little chaotic. Yep. But I think that's, that's over. And they're still complaining about it and, and well, they should be, but it's kind of a fact of life now. And, and hopefully it will help them on the, on their accounting and back end just to save some money. It's a little bit harder on drivers. But yeah, and, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and since September and, and since, uh, since the ELD kind of forced the, 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 the market to, to tighten and restrict quite a bit. So is this temporary or is it more, you know, structural in, in, in the market, right? So should they go out and buy new trucks? Should they not? How long is this going to last? Yeah, we're at the top of the market. Or are we? Uh, are we still going? I, I know, right? And and we felt it. And, and and from talking to our freight brokerage customers and, and carriers and seeing all the data points, it looked like it started with a hurricane in September. Uh, it kind of really shot up around the first of December. You know, it kind of hit another another incline. And but I think it popped out in January, right? I, I think everyone we talked to. Said if 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 this year is going to be like January, I know we were saying too, right? It's going to be a fantastic year, but it, it's softened. It's still much better than it was a year ago, in the same month, like a year ago May, a year ago April. But it, it's certainly the capacity's loosened up a bit since the, the peak in January. So should should we go buy a truck? Do we not? You know, so that's that's always so that's for any business, right? Yeah. So you really heard a lot. From them, we need to worry about backhauls. We need good route planning mm-hmm. so we can optimize our trucks. We need full trucks. The capacity, trying to figure out where they go. Obviously, ELD, implementing it for one and now living with yeah. it too. So what else have you learned from uh, from your talks with all these carriers? So another thing that I've, I've learned from, from talking to 30,000 trucking companies, while, while they're trying to optimize their, their routing systems and, and worry about backhauls, it's not really a rational market. You know, it's not like you're, you're, no. you're, you're trading a tangible asset, right? It's all service and it's all balancing. Everyone's 
Yeah, it's relationships. Right, which are very complicated sometimes because you have you have three parties involved in a number of transactions, right? You have the shipper, you have the broker, and you have the carrier. And um, even if you take the broker out on on two thirds of the transactions, you still have the shipper and carrier. And you have uh, culture classes, clashes, right? You have personality clashes. You have detention issues, which is a big thing and something that right. is another concern. I forgot to mention earlier. Hey, that, that's a good question. If I could interrupt you there, Kevin, what percentage of trucks are moving with a broker versus the carrier having a direct relationship with the shipper? Yeah, so we've, we've surveyed about 1,500 carriers so far, and we're going to do a semi-weekly partnership or survey with Great Waves right now. And it's about two-thirds. Two-thirds are directly from shippers, and then a third are from brokers. Yeah, and, and I work with a lot of... In my business, I work a lot with carriers and 3PLs and brokers. And my carriers always seem to say the same thing, which is, I want direct shipper freight. They don't hire salespeople or want to really spend the money on marketing and sales. But I don't blame them. They want that direct shipper freight. And I, we've talked about this a few times, you and I uh, offline, is will carriers move to the freight matching services like Convoy or JB Hunt 360 or com? to get that direct shipper freight? That's uh, the, the golden question, right? Will they move? So there's some some incentives for them to move, right? So they can um, they eliminate the brokerage piece of it, right? And go directly. But do they get to keep know, that right? money? That is the thing, you know, <laughs> and, and I know from, you know, transparency, the more transparency you put in the market, the, the lower price. So, no, there's a there's a good point of it, right? They can go directly to shippers and they can build those relationships easier. They'll need to probably transact in that platform for it to be viable. But the darks, the downside of it is that a little bit of opaqueness is, is good for some of the carriers because you don't want everyone accessing your shipper, right? You don't want everyone having access right. to that, right? So so, you know, you can you can tap into more shippers, right? But the relationships you have are probably going to deteriorate a little bit, or at least uh, the rates that you can charge for your service. So but there's good points to it, but there's a drawback. I, I think they'll, for all those, especially the smaller companies, to buy into going with the, you know, the freight matching services, you're going to have to have some advantage beyond, I think, just pricing. I think there's going to have to be something with uh, keeping my trucks full. They can be more optimized, utilize more of their assets. I think, you know, get better backhauls or, you know, more consistent backhauls. That'll be a, a draw. Yeah, I think that's going to be the, the, the main draw. I guess whoever can, can solve that. And you need scale with it, right? So it's hard to get scale when you have 50 competitors out there, right? But someone's going to win that game, you know? <laughs> and, uh, right, right, and, right. and basically the ELD data that's going to be coming online going forward. Yeah. That, that's a good point <laughs> that we have so much more data as a result of ELD. Yeah. So we're going to, we're going to see a tidal wave and it is starting, right? But we're going to see a tidal wave of data coming into the market, like big data. I've seen a little bit of it, right? Where you can nail down. You're part uh, of it. Yeah. A little, yeah. A little bit. Yeah. A little bit in a big pond, but uh, it's this important data. What, what we collect, kind of that, that, that non-public data that you can't get. But I've seen I've seen services now where they they can drill down wait times 
uh, each dock door, right? Not only the facility, but each dock door. So if that's available to the brokers and the carriers, right, they can go in and, and not only say, you know, this is our wait time for your facility, but this is everyone's wait time. So, so they're going to be able to go in and, and hopefully charge, charge for their time, right? because that's something that, that, that right. has always fallen on the carrier to compensate for, right? If it takes four hours to get loaded, well, you know, it's your problem. Well, the good thing about ELDs is now it's not the carrier's problem. Yeah. If it takes a shipper four hours to load, right, it's their problem. You know, they, they, it's going to be harder for them right. to push it off and, and have someone compensate or have someone eat that, those costs. In, in some ways, the market now or previous to ELD would say, if Joe's a good shipper and Kevin's a bad shipper, we both pay more or less the same <laughs> for that lane. I think if when when I say you're a bad shipper, <laughs> don't take it personally, yeah, Kevin. Is you have them wait for four hours, and I'm always have them loaded as soon as mm-hmm. they get there. That delay, I know they get a little bit for detention, but it still doesn't cover their costs uh, all the time. Over time, the costs are going to have to to move to the to the mm-hmm. bad actor, which is uh, the guy who makes you wait. And, I, and the way we've always done it, I think, is we've spread it across the whole market. Say this, this everybody pays more because there's some bad actors. The way it should work is the bad actors pay more and the, the good actors get good shippers, pay less. Yeah. And, and that data that you just described from ELD is starting to have that impact. It is. You're exactly right. You know, a lot of the, the, the good efficient actors get hit because they're subsidizing the bad actors in the market, right? You know, the, the, the shippers that are very efficient are paying, basically subsidizing the, the, the people with bad operations. So, and that, that data is coming online. It's going to be here soon to where each shipper will have their books open. It'll be, be something that you can go in and, and buy. You, you can buy those stats, right? So everyone's going to be coming in armed at negotiation time with the same information and Shippers are going to either, they're going to have to improve their operations, right? Or improve their efficiencies and, and use capital to do that, or they're going to pay higher freight rates. And there's really no, no way to spread it out against your competitors anymore. Right? So you're exactly right. Yeah. And, and Kevin, you've, you've touched on it. This is data revolution. It's, it's ELD is part of it. I think the GPS mm-hmm. is part of it. We have these transportation management systems that help us be more efficient in booking loads, but also the business intelligence that people like you are so good at manipulating. But I, I think it's just it's just begun. I feel like blockchain is mm-hmm. coming quick. I think the future is more and more driven by data. It is, you know, and I, I wish I knew more about blockchain. And that's something that, yeah, yeah, right? Well. <laughs> we all have to brush up on, on blockchain, but, you know... Uh, if it works the way that they say it will, I mean, it will be. It will be even more connectivity and more data that can be processed quickly. So, so it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's coming. There's going to be a lot of data, a lot of outlets for the data that don't really make all that much sense, especially at first. They might make sense, but everyone's going to be rolling that data out to, to try to solve every problem. Well, Kevin, that was... Uh... Very, very helpful. Uh, do you have any closing remarks uh, that you want to share with my audience? Uh, yeah, just um, 
Besides go to yeah, carrierlist.com. Carrierlist.com or, <laughs> or find us uh, at saferwatch.com or online portals there. So if you go to saferwatch.com, you can do a free trial. Anything besides uh, the shameless plugs. Uh, yeah, I know, right? Yeah, always the shameless plugs. Uh, but yeah, you know, data is coming. It's going to be basically, uh, basically partnerships are going to be, be huge in the, in the future, right? And, and that's something I'm discovering. I, I think you touched on it earlier or maybe it was offline uh, about, you know, complementary services, partnering together, and also partnering with other people to, to make the network work bigger, whether that's a, a larger organization or, or some way to gain an advantage because you're going to have to have access to data and access to multiple data points to be able to compete in the future. And then that's whether right. you're, you're a brokerage house or you're a carrier or you're a shipper, right? It, right. No matter all three. You have to be connected into uh, multiple data sets, and it doesn't have to be too complicated. But you know, we, you we were optimizing it. in the dark in the past, exactly <laughs> and now, right. now we're starting to exactly. now we're starting to organize around the data, which is a lot easier to make it work. Mm-hmm. And I think it's going to make everyone's jobs much easier, right? I mean, that's um, this thing that the, the less manual labor or the or on the broker side, the less calls that you have to make. The more opportunities you can work, right? The more opportunities you can work, the more money you're in. It's a reason. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> I like that. Well, Kevin, this was <laughs> this was great. I would love to do this again. I know we we have a second podcast planned with you to talk a little bit more about what we're learning from this ELD data. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about that another time. And uh Thank you so much. Really appreciate your insights. You're very welcome, Joe, and thank you for the opportunity. It's always great to, to speak with you and, and and the podcast format. I think it's going to be a great format, especially for you. Yeah, thank you so much. And yeah, and I should also thank Joel North, uh, my producer, because he's going to try and make us sound like we're professional. <laughs> That's a very <laughs> tough job, actually. <laughs> thank you very much, Kev. You too. All right, have a good one. Bye. You've been listening to the Logistics of Logistics podcast, where we engage in conversation with experts in the logistics field. For more details, visit thelogisticsoflogistics.com or follow Joe Lynch on LinkedIn.